Welcome to Growing Home, the podcast that helps you take care of the place that means the most to you, your home. I'm your host, Terry Therian, alongside your co-host, Len Giddix. So Len, we just wrapped up our conversation with Cassandra Mashek, a medicinal herbalist and the owner of Cassandra It's About Time. Herbs Unlimited. You know, what were some thoughts? You know, what were some things that you learned? Well, you know, as as we talked to Cassandra, it, it reminded me of a different way of looking at not only herbs, but as our, in our lifestyle. I mean, uh, a different way of healing, a different way of dealing with stress in in herbs and preparing herbs for uh, for our daily lives. She looks at it differently, doesn't she? Yeah, and I kind of took away from, I don't know, maybe the most enlightened thing that came across on my end was there's a lot of stuff we can do and we can control to manage how we feel, you know, our overall health. And and a lot, definitely what she talked about uh, was a lot on the preventative side or, you know, before things get serious. But, you know, both in what we consume and the quality of what we consume and to how we behave like it, it all works together, like managing our stress for, you know, we can take things that relieve stress and, you know, use different teas and tinctures and everything. But also what behaviors can we practice and and have the two work together? And that seemed to be her approach right? when people go to her for help and, and seek her advice. And, yeah. you know, that those are things we can control because a lot of what we are around day to day and what we experience, we can't control. That's right. Well, it's not so much what's wrong with you, what's bothering you, what what can I give you to help that. It, it's not as compartmentalized as that. Her approach is more lifestyle, like you like you said. It's how you live your life, how you your attitude towards life, and uh, hey, maybe we need to make some changes here and leave the elderberry out of it all. Yeah, and you know, Cassandra or, or Cassie, how she likes to be called, you know, really looks at you know what are the maybe. Maybe we'll use the metaphor here, the weeds in your life or, you know, the, the weeds out in the lawn, you know, that they're actually, you know, to some benefit. Sure. And she saw those as, you know, an opportunity to see what good is this providing to the environment? What good is this providing for ourselves or, or can it be used for? And, uh, and seeing, you know, what we can do and how we can benefit from it and, yeah. and how we use a, it. She's in a position to look at a plant where we would say, oh, that's a a green plant and it's a weed growing in my lawn, she would see it far differently. She would see it as something with great value that would pass over our heads. Yeah, absolutely. So for more about, you know, Cassandra's or Cassie's perspective and uh, some hints and and helpful guidance on what you can use uh, in and around your home to help you and your family, uh, listen to our conversation with Cassie Mashik. So Cassie, welcome to the Growing Home Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Great. So you're a medicinal herbalist and the owner of Cassandra. It's about time, Herbs Unlimited. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what is medicinal herbalist and maybe a little bit about your store? Um, Well, my store is on 54 Springfield Road, right on Route 83 in Summers, Connecticut. Um, a medicinal herbalist is a person who uses herbs for healing and well-being to maintain your health, uh, sometimes to help with um, 
medical issues or uh, health issues. The I don't say that everything is done with herbs. Sometimes we do. I want to qualify it. Sometimes we do need pharmaceuticals, and they can be they can be most helpful. Uh, there are a lot of people who have very complicated health histories that they need to be careful what herbs they use because herbs can interact with their medications, and they can also interact with their health issues. So I just want to qualify that, uh, that I just don't just because it's natural and it's herb doesn't mean it can't hurt you. And people need to recognize that. Great. So I, I want to make that clear. But herbs can help you keep keep you healthy, maintain your health, uh, keep you balanced. Uh, there's a lot of different aspects of our, he- of our health. It's not just your physical health, but also your mental well-being, your emotional well-being, and ultimately your spiritual well-being. So it's the body, mind, and spirit together. Well, healing herbs were like the original medicines, weren't That's they? That's right. And it was passed on uh, traditionally. I basically studied the Western herbal system, which is from Europe. And in Europe, the women were the growers and the gatherers, uh, t- traditionally. Uh, some men did learn uh, herbalism. Um, and it was passed down from mother and grandmother to daughter and granddaughter. So they were working um, on the farm. They were growing stuff. They were gathering things in the woods. They knew what time of year to gather things, how to process it, how to store it. And this was basically an, herb, uh, an oral tradition. There's some other systems like the Chinese herbal system has been around for a couple thousand years and it's well documented and the Ayurvedic system has been around for a very long time and they basically use the herbs in their environment the things that grow we can't grow everything um, in New England that's for sure because there's a lot of tropicals and subtropical plants and even if you grow them in a pot in a greenhouse you're not going to get the um, product that you need so ginger root, for example, is is a tropical. We can grow it here, but to get a ginger root that's worth harvesting, it takes a, a long time. Great. And how long have you been, you know, a, a practicing herbalist? Um, I opened my store in 1995. This will be 24 years this year that I've had my store. I started out basically as a gardener and then wanted to know how to use the plants for teas, and that's how this all started. And and I've been studying now since the late 70s, early 80s, started buying a few books that were available and caught lectures whenever I could. Great. And then, you know, I read that, you know, someone who's who was a big influence for yourself was uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel, well, initially, that's what started me on this path. I was a, a social worker, and I went to his lecture in the late 70s, and he was talking about doing art therapy with his patients and that the colors meant something. So that started me on a whole, whole quest to find out what the colors meant, and one thing led to another, and I would had worked at a flower farm Uh, for a while. So I had been growing, she grew everything from seeds, propagated everything from seeds and cuttings. And she grew vegetables for the summer stand and pansies, the old fashioned way, planted them in the fall and 
in a coal frames and harvested them in the spring. So that's when I got interested in gardening for myself. My grandmother and my my grandfather and my mother had always gardened. And then I started the quest for finding out the colors and one thing kind of less led to another and here I am. <laughs> it's an interesting path. Great. So even, you know, just to you know, put the quali- or the clarification out there. Is there a difference between like an herb and a spice and how we think about it? Or? Um, well, I looked up, that was interesting because we use the word herbalist and we use chamomile is a plant that dies back to the ground. Uh, we use uh, lavender, which is kind of shrubby, is, is a, considered medicinal. Uh, white willow bark is from a tree or wild cherry bark is from the tree. The When they use the barks, it's the inner bark, the cadmium layer mm-hmm. of the bark that we use for, for... And we consider those all herbs, but when you look up the definition of an herb, it's a non-woody stem that dies back to the ground at the end of the year. And so that that is what the definition of an herb is. But I think it's expanded more. Because even time, um, I've gone out in November under snow and picked a little sprig of thyme for something. Anyway, and spices are usually things with a very pungent, um, zesty flavor or smell that is used predominantly for cooking. But a lot of, in your Vedic system, things like turmeric and coriander, cumin, those all cross over. They use them for healing also. Great. So it's, it's kind of a broad definition. Yeah. So a lot of people that, you know, come into your store or that you work with and, you know, treating some of their ailments, you know, what are some of the most common ones and what are the, some of the most common herbal treatments? Well, right now, uh, it's a lot of cold and flus. Uh, it's amazing how well elderberry works. Elderberry grows in our area. It's native to this area. And you cannot eat the berries fresh. They have to be either dried or cooked. The birds can eat them fresh, but we can't. And the elderflower in the spring when it blooms is very good for drying up secretions, um, nasal and mucus secretions. Elderberry is a virus fighter. Most of the herbs have what we call more than one action. So we can use them for different things. They're not just one thing. And different herbs work different for different people, much like some medicines. Some people, they take a buffered aspirin, they don't get any relief. They take a Tylenol, it works better. So herbs are the same way. You can, one herb can work really well for somebody and not well for another. So, but right now, a lot of elderberry, we sell a lot of elderberry. People are making elderberry syrup. They're using it to maintain their wellness and also when they get sick. Um, I'm lazy and I'm cheap. I don't want to spend the money on the elderberry syrup and I'm not going to make it. Um, So I just tried the tea and I found that using elderberries just to make a tea with was most helpful. And frequently in the past, customers have used it um, at the end of a cold when you got all, you're like getting those last secretions out of your lungs. You go to bed and you're hacking your brains away and you can't sleep. The elderberry will really help with that. So, but it also is good during a cold. It'll it helps fight the virus and um, move you through the cold a lot quicker. Now, there's a lot of commercial uh, uh, concoctions, uh, teas that are out there for for various yes. whatever ails you. Well, <clears throat> Pardon te- me. Is it better to? I mean, is it what works better? Those those packaged teas 
or to actually get some dried berries? A lot of times, things like at the grocery store sit in a warehouse for a period of time, mm-hmm. and they're irradiated. They are. Yes. Every six months, they irradiate everything, even dried herbs. And what happens is the irradiation kills the life force of the plant. Everything has a vibration. And even though it's dried material that you're working with, it still has the vibration of the plant. Once you irradiate something, it kills that life force. So it's not just the chemical constituents and, and anybody who gardens knows that. If you have a rosemary in the house and you brush up against it in the wintertime, it just smells good and it lifts your spirits. So a lot of the plants, that's why gardeners are basically, a lot of people gardened just to decompress from their jobs. I know I did when I worked as a social worker. And they just, they feel good. You know, you're you're grounded with the earth and the plants are, you know, just kind of suck all your stress away so it's not just the chemical constituents now the herbs in my store nothing is irradiated that being said there are some brands that are very good medicinally yogi tea typically um, those are pretty good brand and um, uh, traditional medicinals and i carry those in my store there's some other brands that are very good too but the but the commercially made stuff you're probably not going to really get a benefit from so um, without mentioning any names, uh, chamomile tea that has maybe been somewhere for God knows how long mm-hmm. and been irradiated a few times, you're not probably going to get a real a benefit from it. So fresh or, or recent herbs would be good because the upper parts of the plant, the flowers and the leaves store well for a year, a little more. Your seeds, barks, and roots store for uh, three years, and depending if they're stored properly, um, a little more. So anything that's been in your cupboard for seven years, it's time to save your containers and get new stuff put in it. The best way to store herbs is in a glass jar with a screw lid. That's and away from heat and away from the sun. I was going to say away from light. Yeah, know. light and and heat. And heat. So people who have their little spice rack above their stove is probably not the best place to have your spice rack. Gotcha. So, you know, a lot of the customers that come into your store or people you end up working with or taking your classes, you know, from what you, you hear from them, how do they end up seeking your help? Is it they, they want the natural approach or something? They've tried other things that's not working or... There's an element they just can't kick. It's uh, all of the above. And many times, actually, a health issue could be a lifestyle you know, problem. Like somebody who drinks eight cups of coffee a day and is having palpitations. Um, so, it, you know, talking to people, you find out what's going on. And recommending herbs if if somebody has a real complicated health history like if somebody's on a lot of heart medication and they have uh, lung ailments um, we might do some herbal teas to help support them but i would never say you know get off your medication uh this you you really have to kind of weigh it but people come in there's a lot more talk about natural remedies now there's a lot it's publicized a lot in a lot of the pickup magazines and things so people are looking to that and i feel that there's a lot you can do to keep yourself and your family healthy Um, There are many people who have allergies 
there's a lot of stuff they're doing now with our food and, you know, genetic engineering. And um, I have to wonder if that isn't contributing to some of the allergic reactions that people are having. Uh, so people want to go back to basics a lot of times. And there's we'd all, all be much better off eating whole foods, preparing whole foods. So buying fresh fruits and vegetables, using herbs that you know are of good quality in our cooking, uh, that we would all be a lot healthier. But I'm, I eat my certain amount of junk food every day, I will admit. <laughs> so there's a um, herbalist, uh, David Winston. He's a Cherokee medicine man and a Chinese herbalist, and he's very knowledgeable. And he said some of the sickest people he sees are the people who eat very pure every day. They only drink spring water. They eat only organic. And they're exposed to toxins, and their bodies just rebel. So he says, eat a little poison every day, just, you know, but you, you need to be educated and make some good choices, you know, look at the the most heavily pesticide cited fruits. And maybe those are the fruits that you buy organically for your family, yourself and your family. So um, if you can, you know, choosing meats that are organic. So it, in essence, it comes down to a balanced lifestyle or, yes. or balanced yes. intake of foods, which yes. Balance is probably the hardest thing, you know, I deal with well, every we live day. In a, I think we all do, right? We live in a fast society. Everybody's yeah. move, 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 go, go, go. Well, there's Cheetos in one aisle and smart food in the other, right? Right. Or, <laughs> yeah, I shop in both. <laughs> yeah. Or just just one cup of coffee but, or, you But know. It, it depends. I mean, you can do things in moderation. I would yeah. never say to somebody, never have a Cheeto again, because I just had one yesterday. But you can't, you know, to just cut everything out but i'm not gonna have cheetos today you know and just i think the other thing is i have a friend who always says vote with your dollars if we if we buy things that are non-gmo if we buy things that are organic we're and if you notice the grocery stores are carrying a lot more of those products now because that's what people want and if you look into the origin of things like um or Imported cheese does not have the hormones in in it that um, cheese may be made in this country does. Hormones and um, pesticides and things. So, and the, the, a lot of those things are residual. So we need to make ourselves educated about the farming practice, what how things are done, where they're coming from. Um, for a long time, I don't know if it's still true, but we stopped using certain pesticides here and we gave them to South America and then we're buying in our fruit from South America. And that makes me wonder if that's the best choice. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so there's certain things uh, that I think you just need to educate yourself, be aware, do some reading. There's a lot of information on YouTube. I the information on the internet is only as good as the person who posted it. Don't believe everything you hear. Uh, you need to investigate. And even when I research an herb, uh, I'm usually looking when I'm using my books. Sometimes I'm looking through ten or fifteen books about the same herb. And even on the internet, I'm sourcing more than one source. And I think that's important. just to validate what you're yes, reading. And- yes. Yes. 
or find not everybody has all the information out there. They might tell you what plant, but they don't tell you the part of the plant to use or the dosage or the frequency, and that's all stuff that's part of it. A few minutes ago you brought up um, you know, people dealing with cold ailments and mm-hmm. everything, which it seems to be like the colds all kick in when the seasons start to change. Yes. You know, whether we're going from yeah. you know, the transition into winter and the transition out of winter. Yes. And now we're going to go into spring and allergies, and there's some herbs that can help with that. You know, nettle is it has anti, nettle tea is great, has some antihistamine qualities. So does alfalfa, alfalfa tea. Uh, I like the taste of nettle better. But um, you know, it, it it there are things that you can use to help. They say using um, local honey, and local means 500 uh, mile radius yeah. because. The, usually the flora, the plant life, is the same. Yeah. You know, if you go out to the desert, you're going to have different issues than you do in New England. But usually, I mean, from here up to Canada and down to, you know, through probably um, Virginia, the plant materials are similar. Um, local honey would be filtered. They filter it, but they do not pasteurize it. Once you pasteurize you heat honey up it kills all the healing enzymes so you want to use local unpasteurized honey raw honey or they call it raw honey yeah and they and um if your honey gets crystallized put it in warm water do not microwave it and microwaves let me just say that microwaves alter the nutritional value of food if we're using something medicinally we do not microwave ever always heat on top of the stove gotcha Gotcha. So most of these herbs, people would have to go to a place like your shop, right? Uh, well, they they might even have some growing in their, their yard, like mm-hmm. stinging nettle. People, they they rue it. It's, oh my God, it's a horrible thing. But it's, it's very healthy. And I had an elderly woman who used to come, she's since passed, she used to come and pick it at my place. And she would come with a plastic bag and a scissor. And I'd say... Don't you want to wear gloves? She goes, oh, no, dear. I'll show you how to do it. And she would hold the top two leaves, Uh and she'd snip it and put it in the bag. And once it wilts, there's uh, little hairs on there, and they have like a prilocylic acid that irritates the skin. But once it wilts, it's fine. It it doesn't do it anymore. So that's another herb you don't ever want to eat raw. You want to either cook it or dry it. But she used to come, because I had a barn, and it loves like places where there was manure nettle just loves it and every every summer the uh woodchuck would come and they'd eat all the nettle leaves off and they just have stalks and then they would leaf out again so um you know if you watch what the woodchuck eats they don't eat your grass they eat all the worthy weed plants in your lawn that um that are nutritious like plantain and dandelion clover uh purslane uh chickweed that's what they're eating and not eating the grass so you know if we start if we watch nature what nature does too a lot of it we get information that way just by observing so the woodchucker is not a woodchucker or the woodchuck's not a woodchucker, it's an herbalist. Yes, yes. I consider it a master yeah. herbalist. Yes. And that's one herb that lives up to its name, stinging yes. nettle. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So so like if we can talk about like what the process so 
usually one person in the family gets sick or, well, I guess this is for allergies and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, multiple people in the family have these allergies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we carefully procure our stinging nettle. We bring it, and what's the process of turning that into, you know, a way we can administer it to ourselves? Well, you can, you can make a tincture, which typically is soaked in alcohol for a period of time. And we might get into that in another time, making medicine. Um, you can, I sell things in capsule tincture in dried bulk form. Um, you can. And a tincture is like a little, like a concentrate with a dropper? Yes, yes. Okay. And yes, you soak it in the alcohol for a period of time. There are ways of making a glycerate because a lot of people don't want to use alcohol with children. So there are some glycerates and there are ways of making your own glycerate if you want to with vegetable glycerin. Um, capsules, you can, and tea, you know, nettle is not a bad tea with, especially with a little honey in it. You know, it, it, it tastes good. Uh, a lot of, even children, if they know they're going to get relief from, What's bothering them? If you can sweeten it up with some honey, usually they'll take it. There's a couple herbs that are really not palatable, like dandelion root. I just can't abide the taste of it. So I either use a capsule or tincture myself. But I have people who love the tea. So, you know, everybody has a little different taste. But they're, they're, um, so usually a tea, I would make a tea with nettle. If you're using fresh nettle, you use a little more. The rule of thumb is that. The volatile oils in a plant, when it's dried, are concentrated. And so when you pick it fresh, it's got all that moisture in it. And a lot of times if you're going to make something with the herb too, you let it wilt. You let some of the moisture evaporate. So you might harvest it in the morning and then make what you're going to make in the evening or vice versa. So, so you'd make it into a tea that day? Yeah, you could. You okay. could. You could go out. I mean, if if every if you have nettles in your yard and everybody's having an allergic reaction, go pick it and put it in a pot, make a big pot of it, and give everybody a cupful. But you typically, if you're dried versus fresh, you're going to use uh, half as much dried as you would fresh. That's just a rule of thumb, and that's also for cooking. So if a recipe calls for a quarter of a cup of, of um, dried thyme and all you have is fresh, you can, uh, not cup, a teaspoon, a quarter of a teaspoon of thyme, you can go out in your yard and use a half a teaspoon and have the same benefit. Gotcha. Now, I understand a lot of the, the medicines that we have today. Simple aspirin, for example, mm-hmm. were once were derived from mm-hmm. medicinal herbs, and that some are so complicated, like witch hazel, for example, that it cannot be synthesized. That we, we mm-hmm. still distill mm-hmm. uh, witch hazel in Connecticut, in Connecticut, yeah. in East Hampton. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, and and, and and it's just remarkable that yeah. these are here. And we don't really appreciate that no. where, where it's all come from. Well, I think people are getting more of an appreciation as they're uh-huh. looking for things to use naturally. They're finding that chemicals, and, and especially women with body products, and men, a lot of men, and makeup and stuff that has things in it that are actually not good for us. Like talcum powder is not good for us, and a lot of makeups have talcum in them as opposed to uh, clays. There's a lot of different kinds of clays so that you can use um, powdered clay. So there, you know, things that are more natural and are healthier for us. Again, this is a matter 
of educating yourself, not believing everything the salesperson tells you or the internet tells you, because there's a lot of websites out there, they're selling their product. But as soon as you start asking them, for instance, the botanical name, which is the Latin name, they can't tell you that. They don't know what it is. And that, that's somebody I don't even want to do business with. And very early on, one of my first herbal teachers, actually my first herbal teacher, said, if people are using herbs for wellness, they need to access them easily. So when you have these formulations that you can only get from this one person, I don't know how good that is. But if you're traveling in Europe and you're using chamomile for um, herbally, you can go buy chamomile in Europe and you can make your chamomile tea. And I also think the other thing the herbalist told, taught me was that things should be available accessible and affordable and so that is something that you know i i have structured my business on that i don't want to gouge people if people can't afford to buy things already done up i will tell them how to make their own medicine and some people like me i just you know i'm not going to make my elderberry syrup but there's some people who do and they make it for their friends and their family and they swear by it so i i think that that's something that that's very important yeah so in developing the remedy it's it's taking into account you know not only is this going to work yes. but can the person use it on a regular basis right, is it right. feasible to get access to right, it and exactly. then you know is it affordable yeah you can't yeah. you know spend all your money on right, the remedy and right. not on the groceries to right. feed yourself exactly right? and a lot of people you know the especially people with families are they're they're just squeaking by sometimes and herbal herbs should i feel need to be accessible to everybody and and so i i will say i'll give myself a little plug my herbs are much better quality than you'll find at a grocery store mm-hmm. much better quality and a lot better price and they do sell partial ounces. You don't have to buy a whole ounce of something. So if you're trying a new recipe, you can buy, you know, a quarter of an ounce and see if everybody likes it, if it's something you're experimenting with. And I think that's important, too. And and it's amazing because people try things and they go, oh, my God, this is so good. This is wonderful. And it, it expands people's, you know, their horizon. And they ultimately are going to be healthier. Yeah, because they're using better quality. They're cooking for themselves. Um, it's it's so important. And then when your customer is successful and you know treating whatever ailment, you know, then ultimately that'll probably lead to your success in the yes. success of your yeah. Of so your they store. recommend me to somebody else. Yeah. And there are times when you know somebody comes in and I might recommend some herbs, but because of their complicated health history, um, I will write things down and say, you know, discuss this with your doctor. You know, we just we don't just do things willy nilly. And I'm not versed in all the the pharmaceuticals out there. I mean, there's some things I know about, um, but there's some things that I'm you know, there's new medications all the time. People come in and, oh, they put me on this. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. I have some books. I have PDR. I can look things up. I mean, there is ways of finding out. But, you know, you have to be careful. You don't just do things willy-nilly. Yeah. I had a yeah. woman years ago. She bought something at a craft, craft show. And somebody was selling herbal products. And she came in 
and um, she had given it to her husband, and he said it made him sick, and he wasn't going to, he was not going to take it again. And uh, she wanted me to say, well, it's all natural, it's fine. And she was surprised because I said, flush it down the toilet. And she looked at me, and I said, if your husband said that he had a bad reaction, just because it's natural doesn't mean it can't hurt you. Mm -hmm. Arsenic is natural. Yes. (laughs) And so, you know, the red dye is taken from a certain beetle. And there are people who are allergic to red dye. It's because they're allergic to the beetle. Really? Yes. So there's a lot of things. So this this is very, you know, we're a delicate balance. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're a very delicate balance, and and it doesn't take much to throw us off. Yeah, or even in our chemical aisle, we have uh, pyrethrin, mm-hmm. which is a natural occurring, mm-hmm. and probably uh, neem. pesticide and, and neem. neem. Yep. But uh, but the pyrethrin, the lab version or the synthetic version is permethrin, and the permethrin is safer for humans than the natural pyrethrin. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, my wife, uh, just as an aside, my wife bought me a, a new cap uh, at the recent flower show in Connecticut mm-hmm. and it was impregnated with permethium um, oh, for the bugs for bugs and for ticks and I asked her please just take it back I I, <laughs> I, I don't need this I, it's not one a tick is not going to go to start at my head and the mosquitoes yeah. well the cigar <laughs> will take care of that so. well the, the other thing is whatever's on your skin in 10 minutes is in your bloodstream People don't realize that. So a lot of these bath products and things with all kinds of chemicals, you're soaking them in and they're in your bloodstream. And they're migra- it's moving throughout your body. Mm-hmm. And I've always had problems with um, sensitivities to chemical smells for years. My family all thought I was nuts. Uh, now there are more people. One of the worst places for me to visit there's, is the uh, laundry aisle. At, um, at a grocery store. I just, the, the smells are just, I, there's a few products I always use, unscented, no dyes kind of yeah. things. Or mm-hmm. I, I also have rashes. I have skin sensitivities and smell issues. So um, this is something we need to keep in, in check. You know, be aware of it. Be aware if you're having a bad reaction to something and eliminate it. Great. So as, you know, as we head into spring here and, uh, maybe the snow will melt soon. You know, what are some things that we can grow in our garden that's easy for us to, you know, get started growing in our own gardens that, you know, will be remedies for, you know, maybe allergens or colds or, or even, I don't know, if there's anything else well, like stress? It depends. Well, stress is an interesting one. Um, there's an herb called Tulsi. We call it holy basil. It's actually a, a, a basil. And it is very good for stress. People can, um, there's like four kinds of it, different varieties. And um, that is good. There's, there's, two, vari- there's uh, two varieties that actually can interfere with your glucose, though. And people who have blood sugar problems, it can alter their glucose monitoring. And then there's one variety that you can't use if you're pregnant. So that's another thing. If you're pregnant or nursing, there are certain herbs that you should avoid. Um, I had a, a woman who had a baby. She was taking ginseng, panix ginseng, which is a stimulant for energy, and wondering why the baby wasn't sleeping. And I said, oh, my God, you know, 
that's stop the ginseng. That's not what you want to do. But if you have a colicky baby and you're nursing, you can drink chamomile tea and that would help the baby. So, you know, if you, so that's something, if you're pregnant or nursing, you have to be careful what, what you're doing with your herbs too. Mm -hmm. So what are, what are some ones you'd recommend, you know, as if, uh, Entry level level herbalist. Well, chamomile uh, chamomile is easy to grow. There's uh, there's a annual chamomile, which is a Roman chamomile. That's um, and it self seeds, um, and it has a kind of a it's a better tasting. The perennial chamomile grows in a dense low mat. It has the same medicinal properties and uh, aromatherapy properties, but it is not, it has more of a camphor smell. It's not as pleasing as the annual chamomile. And what happens is the annual, annual chamomile, it, it'll self seed itself. The end of August, usually it goes to seed. And then next year you have chamomile plants coming up and it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't like the hot sun. It seems to like more of a humus soil. Um, my first foray with uh, dry using growing chamomile is I planted it in a very dry, well-drained soil that my thyme and my lavender and the, the Mediterranean dry, loving plants did very well. My chamomile didn't make it. But the following year, which was interesting is it came up in a front bed that was somewhat shaded. And I had chamomile every year as long as I lived there, enough for myself. So you think more moist, less dry yeah, soil? Yeah, it was a little moist and not that hot, hot sun. Yep. And it and it did very – but it, it transplanted itself. That was what the amazing – well, I'm sure a bird helped it or something. Yeah. But it was amazing. And so chamomile is good. Nettle, if you're lucky enough to have it on your property, you can contain it. You don't have to um, – uh, let it just go crazy, yeah. but it that's a good plant to grow. Red clover is wonderful. Um, these are some of the plants that it's considered an invasive, but it's a medicinally it's a blood purifier and a uh, lymphatic cleanser. It's that's a good tea. Well, the we red clover pastures with red clover, don't we? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And what we'll do you use it. the the the, the bud, flower? The flower. The flower. Whenever you're picking flowers, you want to do it when they're at their their maximum. Uh-huh. beauty so you don't want things that are withered or dried right. you want them so even your chamomile and the best time to harvest stuff is early in the morning you know after the dew has dried first yep. thing or before the dew set in the evening and that's because like us plants lose their vigor during the heat of the day you know the, a lot of the they've lost a lot of the moisture and they're they're not at their peak. So that's when you would harvest flowers. That's what we call nap time. Yes, nap time. <laughs> yes, if we're lucky enough to be able to take a nap time. So, yes. Now, many most Americans do not live the European lifestyle, no. unfortunately. I think that's that's Len uh, endeav- his new endeavors is in his retirement. Yeah, yes, that's yes. good. Uh, <laughs> that's it's good. Exact, it's very important. Yes, yes, and it, and it helps on a lot. It helps your energy level, your longevity, your well being, your health, mental, physical. 
you know, we don't get enough rest in this country. And everybody go, 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 push yourself, push yourself. And people need to take some time out. And that's what's nice about a cup of herbal tea. You take the time to make it, and then you sit and you take the time to drink it. And, you know, that whole process may take 20 minutes, but that's 20 minutes you're giving yourself. And that's, you know, sometimes that's more important than the actual benefit of what you're drinking. So it sounds like it's a, it's a little bit of, of both. It's, yes. It's more of, you know, moderating your, or focus on what your intake is of certain things and what's mm-hmm. available and, mm-hmm. you know, things like the holy basil and the chamomile, but also, you know, the physical practice mm-hmm. and your physical lifestyle mm-hmm. and those two things together is is that yes all in whole the holistic approach or a balance you know they call it like a work home balance you know people having some recreational time um and it's just like people are just push 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 and um and there's little respect for what individuals need you need to have you need some downtime and people with families that's hard too sometimes just to have your own downtime just for yourself yeah um all this is important and and being aware of it a lot of people just they're not paying attention i always say if by 30 your body starts talking to you sometimes i see people with health issues that are younger but by 30 your your body starts talking to you people usually can't keep up the pace that they did in their 20s or teens in their 20s by 35 your body starts slapping you the back of the head <laughs> and if you don't listen god is going to grab you by the scruff of the neck and shake you till you pay attention and and you know that's an analogy i use because and even in my own experience you know things shifted at 30 i saw a shift in my metabolism i saw and now that I'm more than twice that, you know, my body is telling me all the time, you know, hey, you don't want to do that or you did too much or and you need to pay attention and you need to do things that are going to remedy those situations. And the other thing is, if you let something go on long enough, it becomes chronic. So you need to address issues as they come up. And just like for, you know, through our own research or coming in and speaking with yourself about, you know, what are the ailments we're, we're seeing or the symptoms and, you know, what we can take is both what looks like a combination of lifestyle change a little bit and, Sometimes, yes. you know, something to remedy it. But uh, I do, I have yogi tea every night. Yeah, uh, that's good. You know, the yeah. bedtime yeah. or the stress yeah, that, relief. And, that works for a lot of people, helps yeah. them sleep, yeah. And if not, I get a little enjoyment out of little fortunes or wisdom that come <laughs> out of the tea tag. Yeah, but it's taking your mind off of the stress of the day. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. shifting your mindset and even just doing some deep breathing. I mean, there's so many, there's little tools you can use throughout the day, Um if women frequently will be having a moment and they might go to the ladies room you know i don't know if men i've do never that. been to the ladies room no no, no, no but no, i don't know if men I, really yeah. go to the men's room for a moment but a lot of times i've had women tell me yeah i when when that happens i just go into the ladies room and you know kind of sit there for a few minutes and pull myself together and you know you need to do that sometimes or you need just to walk away or um 
my sister-in-law is telling her children, I can't stand the sight of you right now. And they knew when she said that, they better leave her alone for a little while till she was ready to deal with them again. And, you know, so this is, we all need to recognize our limits. So I have a lot of friends right now who have young kids, and it seems like one person in the family gets sick. And everybody gets sick. Everybody's sick, and then nobody gets better because everybody keeps getting sick, you know, over you know, long durations. It's just hanging around the household. Part of, part of that is, you know, it's interesting. We fight so hard against colds. There are over 200 cold viruses. And the reason people don't get sick when everybody else gets sick, they already had it. It helps build your immune system. And we're so concerned with children not having a place to go because the parents work that we're worried about them getting sick. And But a certain amount of that is normal. I wasn't particularly sick very much as a kid, but we ate whole foods and vegetables. We cooked dinner every night. Uh, we had our share of junk food, but we had our share of fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, and that things weren't processed the way they are now. So I think that I was fairly healthy. And even in college, my friends would eat, they didn't like the food, they'd they'd eat ice cream. They were always sick. I rarely had a cold, but I ate the food. I didn't, maybe it wasn't the greatest, but I ate it because I was hungry. So I think nutrition is very important. Um, There are some things like the Sambucus, which is the elderberry syrup can help. You might get the cold, but it might cut down the duration and the severity of the cold, Mm -hmm. which is helpful. Uh, If you're having fevers, chills, that's probably more a flu virus. Uh, It's a little more serious than a cold that you, you know, there's other things you might use, but depending to some children spike very high temperatures very quickly and if you have a child like that then you need to do what the doctor said is once it gets over 103 you know that's serious and some children just are that way they they'll spike a temperature that and it goes right to 103 and once you get up that high you you're talking about you know even brain brain damage so, you know, if it gets higher than that, yeah. most adults, you might spike a temperature, you know, 100 or 101. Um, but there are some children that, and it's, it's almost like a genetic thing that their parents probably got very high temperatures at children as children and their children will. So these are things too, you know, being acquainted with your health history, knowing what your family's health history was, because there can be some predispositions to things yep. and it's important to know that. And what about, you know... Not necessarily avoiding the cold virus and trying to protect. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Yeah. That's simple. Not with antibacterial soap. Antibacterial soap, they find, they're talking about, has actually carcinogenic properties. Remember what I said, 10 minutes on you know in your on in your, your skin, skin 10 minutes in your bloodstream yep. so we are inundating these children with antibacterial this and that. and this, and they're finding there was a wonderful program on i think nova special or nova now about bacteria we need bacteria on us in us in order to maintain health there's a bacteria that is is nurtured or fed by breast milk that actually helps the digestion of a newborn. 
So there's a lot of things that, you know, we're so germophobic in this country. And, you know, the well, the bacteria, the good bacteria that are all over our skin are protecting us from the the uh, what you call opportunistic bacteria mm-hmm. like MRSA that just will take over there they they replicate very quickly if they have a clean area with no other bacteria they take it over and we need a certain amount of bacteria in in our gut and in our body it the um the off products of the bacteria actually help our health. They are doing a study now with the Amish children don't get sick. They have the same vaccines. They have the same health care as regular children. They rarely get sick. And they're actually studying the Amish barn dust because they think that the children are actually exposed to bacterias that are healthy and helping them maintain their health. So we've gone clean crazy in this country thinking we got to get rid of all the germs and all the bacteria. And actually what we're creating is ill children. So would you recommend as an alternative something that boosts an immune system? Well, not necessarily. Um, Eating um, foods that are fermented, is helpful. Yogurt with live culture in it is helpful. Mm-hmm. You don't want things that are pasteurized. Um, and, you know, if a child eats a little handful of dirt, it's not going to kill them. You have to eat a peck of dirt before, before you die, yes, right? That was an adage we grew up with. And yes. I don't, now they, God forbid. You know, I mean, my, my mother never Lysoled our toys. We brought them in. If they were muddy, they got rinsed off and put into the bin, you know. But, but it is important, especially when there's a lot of sickness. And having worked in um, as, in a social, as a social worker yeah. in the medical field, wash your hands before and after eating, before and after going to the bathroom. See, people don't wash their hands before. But that you need to, especially if you've been working with animals or other people. So before and after going to the bathroom and before and after contact with other people. Yep. So, you know, it's very important to wash your and children will say, My hands aren't dirty. Look, I don't need to wash them. No, go wash your hands. We're eating dinner. Yeah, I was definitely one of those kids. Yeah. 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 No, they're clean. Look, they're, they're yeah. clean. And they're they probably washed, obviously dirty. Or I washed them already. Yes, that was before you pet the dog. Now go wash your hands again before you eat because you don't want to ingest bad microorganisms. Mm-hmm. Or touch your eyes. You know, people have, I love it when people count money and they lick their fingers. Do you realize what you're ingesting? Yeah. <laughs> It's horrifying. <laughs> and then, so what about like, um, do you do anything with, in regards, uh, or we're talking about the different ways we're consuming these herbs. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked about uh, the teas, the tinctures. What about cooking with them? Is there anything? Oh, you, there's definitely a benefit with cooking with herbs. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Anything you recommend, you know, even, you know, we can commonly grow in our yards that, you oh, know, you have a lot thyme, of benefits. oregano, um, they all have antimicrobial properties lavender does there's uh things that there's things that'll help boost the immune system it's not you can grow astragalus around here it's in the vetch family um but it's um i i haven't had good success some people have but using you can get uh they call slices of astragalus root and no matter how long you cook it it never 
softens up so you can chew it. It's always very woody. But you can put it, if you're making a big pot of soups or stews, you can put that in um, as an immune enhancer. People, though, with autoimmune illnesses have to be careful because their immune system is working against them, and you don't want to take things like echinacea on a regular basis. Or uh, You have to be careful if you're using anything that's an immune enhancer, you know, strengthens your immune system because that could work against you. And let me just say something about echinacea. You don't want to use echinacea every day. There's a lot of products out there. You know, have echinacea, you take it all through the winter. No. Echinacea, you only take it for 7 to 10 days. And we're talking about the... The, the coneflower. Yes, right. purple coneflower. Yeah. Yes, echinacea. Okay. And there's Augustifolia, which grows, I think, more out west. But around here, it's mostly the papura. Yeah. And there's a lot of different varieties. Um, but the purple coneflower is probably the more traditional variety. Right. And then and how do you, how do you, what do you put it in? You would make a tincture or okay. you make a tea. Usually you use the root, but there there's a company that I deal with that uses the uh, whole plant, including the seed and the root, to make their tincture. Hmm. So you can grow echinacea yourself and then use it for teas. It's not a bad-tasting tea. You can add it to things. Which brings up a point. A lot of times people want to combine a bunch of stuff. You know, well, I read that this, this, and this, and this is good for what's I'm having a problem with. And the problem with that is then you don't know what works. Yeah. So I think it's sometimes better to start off with one or two things and see how you do. And if that's not working, maybe try something else. But, you know, if you take a lot of everything, you don't know what's really helping you. So anyway, but echinacea, you don't want to take every day. You want, if you get sick, if you're starting to feel sick, you start taking it. And I usually use the tincture. And I'll take it every couple hours. So echinacea is used as a, an immune booster. Immune booster, yes. And the purpurea that we, we buy and grow around here, once you get a good stand going, yeah. it'll reseed itself. Yes. And you can harvest You can harvest your own roots. Yeah. You know, you, when you're dealing with a perennial a roots, it's usually a perennial plant. You don't want to harvest it every year because the plant needs to, and you don't want to harvest it the first year. You probably every three years, some or every five years. because And you always leave some roots so the plant can replenish itself. Oh, what a plant. I mean, Len, usually our conversations around echinacea is all about the pollinators. Yes, yes. yes. A, and that's you know, another aspect. It's wonderful for the pollinators. A great native pollinator. Yes, yes, yes. It's a good friend to have. Yes, it's a wonderful garden plant, and you can't have too many. Awesome. And it also, if you have, you know, it's interesting, places where they actually grow a cluster of it. Yep. It can really, you know, echinacea is fine as a single plant because it gets quite robust and full. But if you actually have, a, you know, three or five or seven plants in an area and they all come, I mean, it's it just it's spectacular. My front yard, I got tired of mowing it, so I planted a pollinator garden. Good. And there are exactly that. There's just a, a whole section that's got echinacea, different colors, and they're mm-hmm. all... The whites, the purples, the yellows, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. all seed. They seed themselves. Mm-hmm. But it come in August. I want you to see my garden in August. A lot of people want to hide their gardens in August. I yeah. want you to see my yeah. front yard yeah. in August. It's absolutely gorgeous. And that, that's another thing, like goldenrod. 
goldenrod is yeah. great for allergic reaction to ragweed. Everybody, whenever they talk about ragweed on the news, they show a picture of goldenrod. That is the antidote. And goldenrod is great for the pollinators. It's one of the last forages. And there's like 22 different kinds of goldenrod. I have all kinds coming up in my yard and I let it grow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, they always saw it as like a weed or, but it, it's a wonderful plant. And it, and you have a stand of goldenrod. It's, that's another spectacular plant. And you harvest it and then you, ingest yes, it to become Yes, the you can go and pick some fresh flowers and make a tea with it, or you can harvest it and dry it and have it. But that, that's a good uh, ragweed. And ragweed is a nondescript plant that has a nondescript flower that makes all our lives miserable. And may I bring up, ragweed is wind-pollinated. That's why we have, have the allergies yes, to it. Yes. And goldenrod is pollinator, uh, pollinated yes. by bees. Yeah. So you can actually stick your nose and rub it in goldenrod, and your nose will come up. Your whole face will come up yellow. But the pollen sticks yeah it's it's not causing the the uh allergic reaction it's ragweed they've also found that pollen depends on the size and shape too because there's different shapes and how they um adhere themselves to the hairs in your nose and that can cause aggravation and pretty soon you know everybody as soon as the the um the snow is gone Come probably by the middle to end of March, people start having allergy problems. It's trees, trees tree right. pollen. And one that people have a lot of issues with is actually pine. And they don't, they don't even know that the pine trees are pollinating, but they are. What, what are some common things you can use to, I don't know, maybe lessen or manage? Nettle, nettle tea start. If you're going to use... Um, I. I also have used bee pollen, actually taking capsules, or you can buy local bee pollen and ingest that every day. I think it's a tablespoon of of, uh, uh, raw native honey um, a day will help counteract that. Um, I also, there's a definite link between allergies in your immune system. Mm -hmm. And I recently, a couple years ago, had a health crisis. And after I got better, I found my allergies were better. And I think my immune system is stronger now. So if that's another indication. So a lot of times people, as they get older, they never had problems when they were younger. And now they are starting to have more problems. Women, menopause is a very disruptive time uh, physiologically. And a lot of things that they never had an issue with before are suddenly an issue. And one of them could be allergies. Um, so actually growing up as a kid, I never had any allergies. Yeah. And when people would tell me they had allergies, yeah. I thought they were making it up. Yeah. Um, but now I'm, I'm starting to get, yes. you know, some yeah. seasonal, yeah. you know, congestion and headaches and stuff like that. There's uh, another thing that another plant that grows around here is called marshmallow root. It's a perennial. Well, we the medicinally we call it marshmallow root. We use the root, but it's a perennial that grows in damp areas. It's a very pretty perennial, and um, that is good for mucus secretion. So when you have a lot of postnasal drip, because this is another problem, when you have allergies, you get a lot of postnasal drip, yeah. and some of it goes to your stomach and can cause stomach 
upset, especially with children. And some can go into your lungs and cause a bacterial infection. So uh, marshmallow is very good at helping drying that up. The only problem with it is if you have blood sugar problems, it could push your blood sugar up. So people who have a high blood blood sugar can't use it but there's other things like elderflower blooms in uh, i think june beginning mm-hmm. of june and that beginning. elderflower that elderberry mm-hmm. that's ambucus yeah. let me yeah. tell you but the elderflower itself will help dry up the, the secretions flower. too yeah. you make a tea with the flower so the, we use both two parts of that plant and by the way that that marshmallow is marshmallow mallow, mallow. excuse me but but actually that's where the Marlowe. Well, anyway, that's well, I've start. heard that too. I'm not so sure, but yeah. <laughs> but um, it's the hibis- the uh, uh, American Beauty's native hibiscus. Yes, it's is a the same thing. It's a mallow. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh. And yeah. so it's available in your garden center <clears throat> at Mackey's. Like the dinner plate hibiscus. The dinner. Well, it it that is a cultivated uh, uh, cousin, but if you if you bought it. In the American Beauty's native plant collection, yeah, that is the uh, Machutus. That's a that's a mallow also. Yes, and the mallows, if you break a leaf and you you either put it in your mouth or uh, squeeze it, it's very mucilaginous. Yeah. What that means is it's kind of thick and slippery. Yeah, and um, so they the, all the mallows. That's a quality that the mallows have. In, in in common, and you would just use and, the leaves and yeah, you can make dry a tea with the leaves. Tea. You could just you could use them. You could use them fresh if you have to. I just put more in, you know. And the and you can you can eat mallow. It's edible, but I find the marshmallow the marshmallow root just using a capsule or a tincture is a lot easier. Depending on people's lifestyles, I mean, if you want to grow stuff and use it, that's fine. But some people they don't they're not good gardeners or they don't have the time, you know. And you can go either way. So actually, a question on that. So I love the hibiscus mm-hmm. uh, plants. You know, all the varieties, whether mm-hmm. they're tropical or, or native, mm-hmm. um, but. When you go to harvest the root off of them? Well, you're not going to harvest the root with the tropical hibiscus. They use the flower. And actually, the tropical hibiscus, I sell the flower, is good for bringing down your blood pressure. And it's a very good tasting tea. But even like, I was just thinking like the process. I went out there and I have, you know, this beautiful hibiscus plant and I go to harvest the root off of it. Is there... A, well, they, how should I do that so I don't kill my plant? Well, the, well, you, you probably with the shrub you can't, but you the, see, there's different, you know, like all families. There's a lot of different plants, a lot of different species. Yeah. So there's a a mallow that grows wild. I've I've it's come up in my yard, and uh, at one point I was using it for something, and then it kind of disappeared after that. But the shrub material. Usually using the flower, the actual okay. flower, um, and a lot of people don't want to give up their flowers in the because they're so spectacular. And you're going to pick them when they're prime, you know. So yeah. a lot of people don't want to do that. It's probably easier just to buy the tea already dried. Um, but the perennial plants, which are not woody, are not shrub-like. Would uh, those you would use the root or the leaf? And it keeps. Us in the nursery industry 
in the business. Keeps our family fit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Buy a new plant. Come on. <laughs> Take one for the team. Well, I mean, it's great because now, now, you know, these are plants that just look, they look awesome in the yard yeah. and they really are Lavender. Lavender is a great plant yeah. and, for you know, a lot of things. To them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Lavender is a great plant. However, it likes a very well-drained soil. It, you, and there was a woman, I can't remember her name, a British woman. A man was planting in this country. It was a, a letter she wrote to him. She said, when you plant a lavender, plant a rock. Because the rock will keep the temperature cool in the summer and warm in the winter. And lavender, I had a customer, they live up on the mountain. They wanted to do a whole hedge of lavender. I said, it won't grow because of the wind. So I have found, and lavender likes sweet soil, so you'd have yep. to use lime with it. Um, my See, I did things right with certain, it's, it's amazing. The plants live or die in spite of you. So if you pay attention and you do some reading, all your successes, you find out why they were excess, a success eventually. My first lavender, and lavender usually, commercially when they grow it, they replace it like every eight years. But lavender usually has a life expectancy of about 12 years. Sometimes I had one that went over 20 years. Wow. And but it was it was in a it was behind the garage near the foundation. It got a lot of sun, very well drained soil, and it was happier than a clam there. It just loved it. I found out probably the lime from the cement kept the soil sweet and it was happy there. Mm-hmm. That's where the chamomile was not happy. You know, but lavender is great for smelling, for relaxing. Um, you can use it if you have a real bad cough. You could put a little sprig of lavender in your tea. It relaxes. It's a muscle relaxant. So oh. it actually help relax those muscles that cause that hacking cough mm-hmm. when you have a cold. So, you know, lavender is a great plant to grow. Yeah. Um, there's uh, tansy people that can be invasive but tansy it keeps away the flies that's why the the colonials always planted it by the back door and um when i would find i had santalina i used to grow santalina which they call lavender cotton has a little yellow button flower and when i i i heard your show and you talked about cleaning up the garden beds at winter, eh, not so much. So, <laughs> excuse me. The way the reason is, I like the structure it gives the snowfall, and I like how the birds eat the seeds all winter long. And yes, maybe it harbors some uh, problems, but you know, basically, I'm kind of a, more of a, a naturalist when it comes to that. And um, I'm not what you call a tidy, tidy gardener. So in the spring, I, a lot of people, the only herb that I know you need to cut down in the fall to maintain it well is sage. Because sage will just grow these arms and legs and it goes all over and then eventually you have to replace it. But if you keep it pruned. Yeah. It'll it'll stay. It'll keep its shape much better. But what I would do is I would go out in the spring, and when and lavender is one of the last things to green up. Everybody had a grower recent that I buy from. They started growing lavender and selling it. And then after a couple of years, she said people are calling me, telling me their lavender. And she thought her lavender didn't make it through the winter. I said, 
wait till Memorial Day and then wait two more weeks. And then if it doesn't green up, it's dead. Because I oh, I find that lavender is one of the last things, some varieties, the last things to green up. So what I do is I go out in the spring and I trim off anything that looks dead, yeah. like Santalina and my lavender. And ultimately, I cut off some green stuff, which I cry about. But I let it dry and then I put it in a little container, hang it in my closet, keeps the bugs away out of your woolen coats and things. So, you know, you can, so for me, that works. Some people, I had one woman, she says, I never have any seedlings. Husband gets out there with the weeder, turning the soil as soon as as he can. And I said, well, he's not giving, allowing anything to germinate. It's always the husband's fault, you know? Well, in this case it was. And yeah, in this case it was. I said, tell him, Not to do that and see what comes up. But some people, you know, there's a lot of weeds. Like we can eat like purslane and chickweed are wonderful salad herbs. They're full of vitamins. They're great. Purslane's very mucilaginous. It's in the Portulaca family. Hmm. And, you know, there's wonderful herb plants that, you know, let them grow and then pull them out. Uh, Plantain is great for bug bites and for skin irritations. So if I have a plantain that's doing really well, and it's a pretty plant. You have your narrow-leaf plantain and you have your broad-leaf plantain. They're beautiful plants. I let them grow. My neighbor and his uh, dog and his daughter got into a bunch of um, yellow jacket nests, and they had all kinds of stings on them. And I had let some plantains grow. I have a stone patio. Things love to germinate on a stone patio because of the minerals, I think. And uh, I had some really nice big plants. I pulled them up by the roots. They were probably at least a foot to 18 inches tall. Pulled them up, shook off the dirt, gave them three plants. I said, put it in a big pot and boil it up, the whole plant. And I said, pour half of it in your daughter's tub, let her soak in it for 20 minutes. And then you draw a tub and put the other half in. And he came back the following work and said it worked because it draws out the venom, draws out the poisons. And purslane... No, that was plantain. Oh, plantain? Oh, okay, plantain. Yes, but purslane is very good salad herb. Wonderful. It's got it's, it's got as much omega three, I guess, yes. as salmon. Yes. And the, yes. It's it's growing on the side of the yes. patio. And it likes always a shaded or a cool area. Yeah. So, you know, let it grow a little bit and um then pull it out and use it. I don't know. I've never cooked it. It might even be good to cook. I haven't I cooked it. It was, yeah. it was it was great in the salad. Yeah. Though. But you you know, use it or harvest it. Don't yeah. let the plant keep growing and just take some off and yeah. As long as you don't have puppy dogs around. Well, that's true. Or use a lot of chemicals on your oh, lawn you can't do or that. in your garden. Well, that's a good point. If you're going to use these herbs, either in your, yeah, certainly in your garden, but in the in in the lawn proper itself, in your landscape, you don't want to be spraying the one, two, three, four, uh, yeah. and and putting all kinds of pesticides out there. Right. You don't want to ingest any of no. that. No. No. And it, yeah, and, that's my thought anyway. And the other yeah. thing is you generally you don't want to harvest anything that's too close to the road, especially if you're on a major road. Yeah. Just from you one know? of the, the salting you, the and salt and the admissions and yeah. and right now I'm finding that the uh stuff they're using on the roads is actually changing um what's happening to my lawn and my plants up along the road and quite a distance. It's very corrosive. Yeah. 
and I'm I'm uh, my light on my sign I has gotten corroded. The bulb, the light bulbs actually break. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So it's the well, the inside, the bot, the yeah, bottom part. Yeah. You know, if it gets in there. Yeah. So yeah. You only have to look at the pines in at the end of spring, like right now. Uh, pines along the route two or any of the highways and see what the the salt and whatever else they yeah. put on the road does to them yeah they don't look pretty no and 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 we need those plants we need we need the plants the trees are very important because they put oxygen back into our environment and that brings up something about poison ivy poison ivy loves co2 if you you know the carbon dioxide yeah if you notice the poison ivy is more virulent now more aggressive and where it's growing than ever mm-hmm. because we have too much co2 in our environment and it's sucking it up so you know we consider it a nuisance but it's actually doing something purposeful so that brings me to the point of respecting the plant life you know, and a lot of things that we consider a nuisance or bad has its benefits, and we need to respect that. But it could be like, you know, like you said, in moderation, right? Where, you know, poison ivy on the patio or the playscape, you Not know, good. You don't want that. No. But, no. you know, leaving it in the fringe of the woods and yeah. some well, other the problem, areas is... The problem with poison ivy, though, right now is I find it grows everywhere. It grows in a sunny field. It grows in the woods. It grows everywhere. Yeah. And the birds eat the seeds and they poop them out and it comes up <laughs> wherever they poop the seeds. So... You know, I understand people needing to get rid of poison ivy on their property. I've battled it, and I didn't get it when I was younger, but now I get a very bad skin irritation from it. Yeah. So, so it's a problem. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, you know, since starting your store in, in 95, and, you know, what can you share with us a story of maybe what's been your most rewarding experience where you've really seen – you know, something you've been able to help somebody with, like really well, that, impact you know, them. When people come back and they say, and I've learned things from my customers. That's what's amazing, you know. I, they'll say, well, you know, my mother used to use this for this. And I go, oh, really? And I'll try it. And they're right. So there's, I've learned things from my customer. I've, there was something I was thinking of on the way over here, and I forgot that somebody just told me recently. And I said, oh, I, oh, I know what it was. He makes tea with red basil, you know, like red cooking basil. Yeah. He says it's delicious. I said, really? I never made a tea with it. I'm going to try it this year. So, um, you know, I learn a lot from my customers. But for me, the the reward is when people actually either um, learn how to do things for themselves. They're making remedies for their family. They're really helping themselves and their families. They come back to me and say, gee, that really worked. That helped. Um, yes, that's rewarding to me. That's what that's what it's all about, as far as I'm concerned. Great. Well, I mean, I think this is a great session. I think you know we're just on the tip of getting into you know how do we consume all this stuff, right? And getting to how do we make the teas and the tinctures and uh, the decoctions um, and everything, and and probably something we'll have to save for another episode. Sure, I'd love to come back. Great. It'd be great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for you know taking your time and visiting thank with you. us today. Uh, this is great. I've learned a ton. I have a lot. Actually, I think I'm going to leave with more questions and more stuff to get into. Good. And, 
stuff That's we can do good. at home More and, and research. But yeah, yeah, always. And, and the curiosity just keeps rolling. Yep. But again, Cassie, thank you very much. And it's Cassie uh, Mashik from Cassandra. It's all about time, Herbs Unlimited. Um, that's 54 Springfield Road in Summers, Connecticut. And the best way to reach you, you can you can read more about uh, Cassie's work at CassandraHerbs.com. With a K. With a K. With a K. And But the best way to contact you is by phone. Yes. All right. And eight, what's the eight, phone number? 860-749-0839. And that's really, I'm, I'm, I'm not what you call electronically literate yet. So that that's a direct line. And I welcome people, even if you're not a customer, I welcome people with questions. Um, and if I can't get it um, or I don't have it, I can maybe tell you how to go about it. So just feel free to call anytime. And I'm, it's the same phone in the house and my residence. So you feel free to call me in the evenings too. And having gone to Cassie's store, I have to tell you it's an adventure. Mm-hmm. It really is different. It's it's welcoming, but there's around every corner there's something exciting, and it's uh and, and then you get to talk to Cassie for fifteen twenty minutes depending on how many customers there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and one thing, did, did we mention in the beginning that it's a an eighteen thirty built post and beam barn? Yeah, and it's painted pink. Painted pink. Yeah, I wanted people. Yeah. I wanted people to to be able to seek it out and see it. I wanted notice, so I painted it pink. I had a woman come in and she goes, "I hate the color of this barn." And I go, "Well, what color?" I would have painted it red, you know, the typical barn red. And I said, "But you noticed it, didn't you?" Oh, most definitely. I said, "Well, then it did what I wanted it to do." <laughs> that Fantastic. was the end of that argument. <laughs> All right, great. Well, Cassie, thanks again. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you all for listening. For notes from this episode, visit the podcast section of our website at MackeysGrows.com. Also, we'd love to hear your topic ideas or questions, so drop us a line through our website's contact page. If you found the information in this podcast useful or simply just enjoyed our chat, we truly appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on your preferred listening app. It helps share our show with others and lets us know to keep working hard. Thanks again, and remember, where that is and what you love, that's home. Mackey's, where the home grows.